Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. Representative Matt Shaheen has departed the Freedom Caucus. He is one of the more moderate members of that caucus, so it's a good thing he left. His positions on all sorts of issues are going all over the place. In fact, recently he actually came out and basically opposed a statewide school choice program backed by Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Dan Patrick, the Republican Party of Texas, Greg Abbott, but not Representative Shaheen. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about also one of my neighbors, Will Hurd, who's running for president. He's a very liberal Republican congressman from San Antonio, was a congressman, now is not taking some very interesting positions as he launches his campaign. We'll break that down and other things going on across Texas. Let's get to the show. Representative Matt Shaheen has announced that he will be leaving the Texas Freedom Caucus. Now, why does this matter if you're the average conservative Texan? Well, one thing is it's always good when a more moderate member leaves a caucus that associates itself with the further right of the party. Now, why? Well, here's the reality. Freedom Caucuses are actually involved all over the country and in our nation's capital. And one of the things that I will say I have recognized, and I have talked to people who run Freedom Caucuses in various different states. And often, a Freedom Caucus being neutered is associated with how close it is to leadership and how many members it has. It's really interesting. The broader the membership, the weaker the caucus. Why? Well, the reason is, is because caucuses tend to be a group that comes together and says, hey, we together are going to fight for something. And when the Texas Freedom Caucus formed, it was a group of members who all knew we need to actually consistently push back against the existing regime of leadership in the Texas House of Representatives. It was started under Joe Strauss's speakership. So as a result, there was a little bit of a common enemy. There was a clear line that was drawn and therefore the caucus actively worked to undermine the more liberal agenda and efforts that the Texas House of Representatives leadership team had. But that's not currently the way the caucus often operates. Basically what you have is a broken up group of members, some who are much more moderate and some who play very nicely with leadership, even I would say some who are considered confidants within the leadership circle. They're specifically tasked and said, hey, we are going to ask you to go around and protect moderate members for re-election. We are going to ask you to actually go and prosecute the attorney general. We are going to use different people who are seen as more conservative and align them on different stuff we do so that we get almost a little bit of conservatives, you know, a conservative shield over some of the things that they do. And then you have members within the Freedom Caucus who actually consistently fight for conservative policy and are willing to push it and even admit that sometimes Republicans are the reasons we don't get it. And in fact, if you listened to our episode just two weeks ago, you would know that Republicans are usually the reason we don't actually get conservative policy. So Matt Shaheen leaving is good because Matt Shaheen is somebody who is part of leadership, okay? If you wanna know where Matt Shaheen's loyalties lie, it's within the existing regime. He fits within the hierarchy. He has shown up to the Texas legislature and said, hey, just tell me where I fit and I'll be a team player and then you can fit me within. Put me in coach wherever you need me. I'll be part of the team. And that was witnessed following the announcement that he had left the Freedom Caucus or after his departure from the Freedom Caucus. Matt Shaheen, when I, I, think, I think this interview was done before the announced departure from the Freedom Caucus, but at that point, 
Representative Shaheen has really probably not been part of the Freedom Caucus for a much longer time than by the time it got announced that he wasn't. So he went on WFAA, and this is actually going to bring up an interesting point before we get to this interview. Speaker Phelan has found a way to make legislators even less relevant in the legislative process, to gut his own membership's ability to actually voice, have their voice heard within the legislative process. And here's what I mean. At the start of the legislative session, you could make, you could use your seniority to get on different committees. And one of the members that used his seniority to get on the public education committee is actually Representative Matt Schaefer. And Representative Matt Schaefer is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and he used the time that he had in the legislature to get on the public education committee. Now, what does that mean? See, the way it is, is that the speaker can appoint the chairman, the vice chair, and enough of the members of the committee to control the committee, but you as an individual can actually get placed on a committee with your own seniority. Here's the problem, though. The current public education committee is a little too conservative. So when the governor came out and said, hey, I'm not willing to entertain this 300,000 student joke of a program that the Texas House of Representatives is entertaining. I actually think that we need at least something in the middle, like 4 million students. The, the Senate is trying to do a 5 million student program. If you were to literally say any and all students apply, maybe it's a 6 million student program. But I'm willing to compromise at 4 the current House of Representatives is considering a program of school choice that applies to a couple hundred thousand students. Basically, hey, you can get out of your school and the money can follow the child if you're a special needs student or if you're really, really, really poor. This is not the position that Republicans hold across the state of Texas, but it's what they're trying to do to appease the more liberal members in their own party. Here's Dade Phelan's problem. Brian Harrison is on the Public Education Committee and Representative Matt Schaefer is on the Public Education Committee. So he has these conservative voices that actually might hold a position that says, we want to see something meaningful in order to support the legislation. And what they need is they need a committee that looks like its job is school choice, who are just gonna sign off and tow the leadership not line, not the party line, but the leadership line on education. So he created a whole new committee about education opportunity. And it's basically the same public education committee, but he took Representative Brian Harrison and Representative Matt Schaefer off. There's a couple other changes, but essentially the most important things to know is that he took those two members off. And then he replaced them. He replaced Representative Matt Schaefer with Keith Bell, who's another Republican from East Texas. But this is a Republican who is very much in the middle, who when he ran, got elected with the support of teacher unions. So he is very partial to teacher unions. I would say he's very uh, likened to Representative Cody Harris, who's on that committee. And then he replaced Brian Harrison, who's been probably one of the lo loudest and biggest advocates on school choice by Representative Matt Shaheen, who recently departed the Freedom Caucus. And so now we're gonna go to this interview with this in mind, because I want you to see that Representative Shaheen knows why he was put on this committee. He now represents, I would say, the most conservative vote on this new fabricated, created from scratch education opportunity committee, okay? So he's the most conservative voice. And normally in a committee, you have people who are conservative and liberal and in between, and they kind of meld together to try to get some type of consensus for something. The governor has said, I need a program that is statewide. Let's look at what Representative Matt Shaheen says as the new member of this committee when asked about whether he supports expanded school choice opportunities. Let's go to the clip. 
You just talked about uh, kids who are in need of special education programs. Are you in favor of expanding uh, and savings accounts to all kids in Texas? Yeah, I, I mean, in general, I am. I don't know how realistic that is. I think what we'll probably end up doing is doing something that's targeted, again, like our special needs. Look, if you look at like the district that I represent, right, I've got great schools like Plano, Frisco, Prosper, Salina. These are great schools, high graduation rates. Most of your children are going to college. Um, it's really the areas in Texas where we have either our minority communities or our uh, low income communities that are struggling. That's just the reality. So what are we going to do as a legislative body? What are we going to do as a state to help address some of the education shortfalls in those areas? And so I think what you'll see is at the end of the day, maybe not something quite as broad, but really targeted like special needs, like low income students. Here's what's so interesting. You know, conservative, the, I wouldn't even say conservatives. I would say your average Republican politician literally compromises with themselves. They negotiate with themselves. And this has been the problem for the Republican Party for a very long time, right? We don't actually stake out a position and say, this is what we need and we're going to hold fast to it. Democrats do that, right? The Democrats said, hey, we're opposed to school choice. It's bad for teacher unions. It's the current status quo is that we have a monopoly that we can use to indoctrinate the next generation, and we're doing it. We're indoctrinating them with critical race-based ideas, critical race theory, where we literally teach the white kids that they're racist and the black kids that they're oppressed. We're allowed to sexually groom these kids in the classroom, and the Texas House of Representatives, the leadership that Matt Shaheen is aligned with, that Texas House killed legislation that would have said, hey, a teacher cannot talk about gender identity, sexual orientation with kids in the middle of their history class or English class or anything else. But that bill died. So these teacher unions are sitting there going, we're grooming the kids. We're giving them a bunch of leftist ideas. We're turning them into these little Marxists. We don't want to budge from that. So they say, we oppose school choice. And then they say, well, guess what? The Republicans came along and they said, we're going to give the public schools a ton more money, a ton more money. Like we're literally going to just give you pay raises, but we're not going to give teachers pay raises unless we get a school choice program. And what did the left say? What did the Democrat caucus say? What did the Democrat party say? What did the teacher union say? No, we don't care if you give us a pay raise. We don't care if we don't get a pay raise. We're still opposed to your program because we support the monopolistic system that we have. We're grooming kids. We're, we're literally brainwashing them. We're good. They then came along and said, okay, not only are teacher pay raises tied to it, but here's the other thing. When the student leaves the school, we're going to pay you as a school $10,000 for the kid leaving. And we'll do it for four years. We'll pay you, some random school district, $40,000 to not educate the kid. The parent thinks their kid's getting indoctrinated. The parent wants a better option. The money's not going to follow the student. Some money's going to follow the student. And then we're going to pay off the other people. They're basically holding these kids hostage, okay? So the teacher unions are sitting there going, yeah, these kids that we're indoctrinating, we're taking them down. And so they're going, okay, how about this? We'll give you a ton of money if you let us have the kid and go to a school and help make it affordable for the family. And what did the teacher union say? What did the Democrat party say? What did the Democrat caucus say? What did the Democrats on the public education committee say? No. What do you mean we're going to give you all this money? And oh, by the way, all the teacher union members that are all donating to Beto O'Rourke, we're going to give them a pay raise. No. Okay, how about this? We're going to take 
the Senate program that applies to 5 million students that would qualify for this school choice program. And we're going to whittle it down to 300,000 students. What do you think, Democrats? What do you think, teacher unions? No. This is how they negotiate. And they're effective at it. They're not unreasonable. They're super rational actors who know what their agenda is. And they're there to accomplish it. They have a mission. They have a goal. They have principles. They're holding to them. I completely disagree with them. But they're actually acting in a way that is in their best interest for the ideas that they want to push. Then, in walks pesky people like Representative Matt Schaefer and Brian Harrison, who maybe actually negotiate kind of like what the left does. So Dade Phelan says, I need a new committee. And I need to take people that use their duly elected seniority to get on this committee. I need them off. And I need Brian Harrison off. And I need to replace them with people like Representative Matt Shaheen. We ha they haven't even had a committee hearing. They haven't even sat down and looked at policy. The governor already said, I need at least 4 million students. And Representative Matt Shaheen, who would be arguably the most conservative Republican on this new created committee by Speaker Phelan, is already saying, well, you know, the only people that need this are like special needs kids and some really poor kids. They don't, they're the only ones they need. Every one of the kids in my school, they're fine. We got great schools. And that is one of the biggest lies that Republican politicians tell. They know it's not true. Representative Shaheen knows that critical race theory is taught in his schools. He knows that. He knows that sexual, sexual orientation, gender identity, LGBT stuff is actually in his schools. The suburbs are some of the worst schools. But you know what? That's not the position he's taking. So the most conservative Republican member on the new created education committee has actually taken the position that, you know, as long as a couple hundred thousand people get it, they're the only ones that even need it. By the way, if you're a parent in Texas whose kid is not special needs and you're not super poor, did you know that you actually don't need school choice? According to Representative Matt Shaheen, you don't need it. Figure it out. You got a great school. What are you complaining about? Be happy. Check your kid into the monopoly. Go at it. Absolutely horrendous. So that's why I'm grateful that Representative Matt Shaheen left the Freedom Caucus and why I'm very suspect of the newly created Education Opportunity Committee by Dade Phelan. They don't want school choice. They don't want the dollars to follow the student. They don't want it. They don't support it. House leadership is against it. And we're going to see when we come back for a special session in September just how against it they are. Now, that also brings up one other point I want to make before getting to Representative Will Hurd. Um, this happened over the weekend because it, it kind of plays into this entire discussion of what the House did and, and what we need to do moving forward. Uh, Sheena Rodriguez is a grassroots activist who actually runs um, a border security group. She is uh, a, a small group called the Alliance for a Safe Texas. And Sheena, I saw her at the Capitol. She testified on different immigration legislation. Um, but she came out and she is one of those people who came out and said, look, I'm going to scold all of you conservative activists out there. And here's what she said. 
If we were smart, and we is in reference to the Republican Party of Texas, conservatives at large, if we were smart, there would be much more of an effort to hold and expand GOP positions across the state first from the bottom up than focus on replacing certain officials with strong conservatives. But hey, what do I know? Not much, apparently. Personally, I'm going on the record as someone who is as exhausted of the everyone is a rhino mentality. We are only shooting ourselves in the foot. Now, these kind of comments are made pretty, I would say every session, there's a couple people that are in the Capitol that come out of the Capitol and say, hey, what we need to do is focus on the Democrats. We need to get rid of some Democrats. We don't have enough Republicans. We need to expand the GOP. And if that happens, we'll be able to do things. Now, here's what's interesting. Two weeks ago, I mean, I literally laid out all of the immigration legislation that was killed by the Texas House of Representatives. Now, for those of you who didn't listen to that uh, podcast, you can go back and listen to it. But here's the interesting thing. If you even go on my YouTube channel, I just broke out just the immigration legislation. So if you don't want to listen to all 49 conservative bills that were killed or 48, then you can actually go and just listen to the immigration specific ones. So that video is up there as well. But when you listen to that, I want you to think about how many of these bills were killed by Democrats. And the answer is no. How many of these immigration bills lacked the Republican votes it needed to pass the Texas House of Representatives? The answer is none. Legislation that would have said, hey, we need to E-Verify. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, the state of Florida, they said, we need to verify They passed an E-Verify bill. Okay, did they do that because they got rid of Democrats? No, they did that because they actually are Republicans who want to pass a Republican agenda on the issue of immigration. In the Texas House, they didn't. Did it die by a Democrat chair? This one didn't. It died at the hands of a Republican chair. HB 20 died with the Republican Speaker of the Texas House killing it by a point of order and lacking 10. Did you know that when a point of order is called on a bill, it only takes 10 members to challenge the ruling of the chair and then to vote on that policy? So when HB 20, this awesome immigration bill died, it only took 10 Republicans to say, no, we're going to overrule that and vote on HB 20 so we can get it to the Senate. Did they? No. Is that because we didn't have enough Republicans? If we had 90 Republicans instead of, you know, mid 80s, would we then have been able to challenge the ruling of the chair? No. What about in-state tuition? We give out money to illegals. We have taxpayer subsidies to illegals that are state-based. We've created the systems in Texas to say, hey, if you illegally enter our country, as long as you graduated Texas high school, we will pay to discount your college. Did that bill die because we just needed a couple more Republicans? No, it died at the hands of Republicans. So what you're seeing right now is that all of the grassroots, and I am really encouraged, the SREC, the precinct chairs, I mean, there are like four more uh, county parties that have passed almost unanimous resolutions that oppose the impeachment of Ken Paxton, Denton County, Parker County, Collin County, incredible. There's awesome momentum going on. You see it at the local level, at the grassroots level. This is all very, very encouraging. And there are people, though, that are concerned of all the unity that's being created. So they'll start coming out with this, hey, let's just not call everybody a rhino. Look, if we worked on getting more Republicans elected instead of shooting our own, then that's when we could actually start impacting more policy. We could really get to where we need to go. 
And so while Sheena Rodriguez does go down to the Capitol and advocate for different immigration legislation, she is wrong on this issue. And she's, the only reason I'm kind of focusing on her position that she tweeted out was because there are other people you will hear. You'll go to your precinct, uh, you know, your CEC meeting, and, and you're hearing it with the Paxton stuff, right? You'll have a resolution and you'll have two, three, or four precinct chairs get up and go, look, is this really what we should be doing right now? Should we, re let's focus on something else. Isn't it interesting too, a lot of the people that are complaining about conservatives who are actually attacking the most liberal Republicans in our party were not, this, they, like Paxton's getting impeached and they're going, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not upset about that. I'm not saying that that is a bunch of Republicans eating their own. I'm just saying that the grassroots who are criticizing the rhinos, they're the ones who are being, you know, uh, who aren't with the program. They're the ones who are sowing division, but not the Speaker of the House who decided to impeach our sitting Republican Attorney General who was duly elected. Not the Republicans that tried to overturn the election of November and the last Republican primary that didn't go the way they wanted it to go and decided to use their power to do so. They're not the ones sowing division. It's actually you pesky conservatives out there who keep on calling some of these really liberal people rhinos because they killed a ton of conservative Republican policy. So that's why I'm calling it out because you're going to hear this from now till the primary. Buckle up, but don't fall for it. Stay on task, stay unified, build the coalitions that are being built because those coalitions are a threat to the hierarchy that exists within the legislature that has been used to kill a bunch of conservative policy. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about something Representative Wilherd said, who just recently announced his campaign for president. And he is one of my neighbors in the San Antonio area. So we'll be right back. Citizens should dominate the conversations around culture and government. And to do that, we need to be informed. That's why Texas Scorecard exists, putting the news in context. We cover the stories that matter to you, the ones that you talk about around the kitchen table, not those dictated by politicians or coastal elites. Our mission is to help citizens move from media consumers to cultural and political influencers. The issues you care about, covered by people who share your values. Texas Scorecard, real news for real Texans. I met Congressman Hurd uh, probably before most people knew him in Texas politics. He first showed up on the scene. I was like 20 years old and he shows up to run for Congress. Didn't win that time, got elected later on in the process. But I was a young conservative activist in San Antonio, met him like within a couple of weeks of him launching his campaign for Congress. Later on when he got elected, he became one of the most liberal Republicans elected to Congress and later left after being in Congress for a little while. Um, has recently decided to run for president. He's one of my neighbors. We usually talk about national issues when there's some type of Texas tied to it. And he literally is in Texas and is getting a lot of traction for a particular reason. We're not only gonna talk about some of the things he said, but also something Mike Pence recently said, because I think that you're seeing amongst a group of Republican presidential contenders an attempt to pull the party to the left on various different issues. So let's look at a small clip from... Representative Will Hurd when he launched his campaign. Let's go to the clip. An America that acknowledges science, addresses mental health, and is inclusive and understanding. So this is Representative Hurd in his announcement video. It's a couple minutes long. I don't really want to go into the whole thing, but he launched with an interesting platform. So he kind of came out and first of all, he wants an inclusive America. So he's literally like diversity, equity, and inclusion 
That's what I believe we need more of in the Republican Party of Texas. That was kind of strange. Also, by the way, he wants somebody that addresses science, and he keeps tweeting this out too. He's like, we need somebody that acknowledges science. Okay, I don't know what that means. I don't know if there are people who just don't believe in science that Representative Heard believes exists um, in the Republican Party of Texas, but that's okay. So I've now decided to take a position. I think based on whatever Will Hurd's talking about, I'm pretty sure I'm like an anti-science person, okay? Now, I don't mean that in relation to like actual science. I mean that in relation to liberal Republican politician science, okay? So here's what you need to know. If you're an actual pro-science person, you probably believe there is a man and a woman, okay? And that a man can't become a woman and a woman can't become a man because that's scientific. But Representative Will Hurt, when he was in Congress, I mean, his he never cared about any of the transgender stuff going on or anything else. But now all of a sudden he's saying, hey, if you want a pro-science president, I'm the guy to back. I don't think so. So if we're talking politician speak, I've decided I think I'm an anti-science guy. Then he went on ABC this week on Sunday, and I want to break down a couple of the things he said there. Let's go to the clip. Look, it's not just Joe Biden. It's, it's unfortunate the two leading Republican nominees for president, uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, policy on Ukraine is wrong. They sh I wish they would stop fighting with American companies like Disney and be more interested in supporting our allies against attacks against democracy. And this is important. And one of the things that I, I was concerned that um, Secretary Blinken said, he said, help the Ukrainians take back land that they lost in the last 16 months? Uh, how about we take back land that they lost since 2014? We should be making sure that we're supporting Ukraine and pushing the Russians out of Crimea, out of the Donbass. And I hope that was just him misspeaking and that the official policy is not just going back to the way things were when the Russians most recently invaded 16 months ago. Representative Hurd basically represents this portion of the party that is like George W. Bush's warmongering without even acting like we're socially conservative anymore, okay? That is that is this flavor. That's Chris Christie and Will Hurd. And you have these people that are entering the GOP fray. And you might ask yourself, why are they doing this? Why is Chris Christie and Will Hurd jumping in? One, because it's easy to get a lot of media attention, kind of build yourself up. You're gonna have opportunities that open themselves up. But the other thing is that there's a very concerted effort in the Republican Party to try to pull our party back towards the middle. You're seeing it in the Texas Republican Party with all these politicians opposing Matt Rinaldi and all the efforts he's doing to actually advocate and fight for conservative principles. You're seeing it at a local level and you're seeing it at a national level. This guy not only wants us to go to complete and utter war with Russia, he wants us to invade the existing borders of Russia that were established prior to the election of Joe Biden. That's what he wants. He wants us to restore, he wants us to invade what Russia was when Donald Trump got elected president. That's the belief, that's what he said. So here's what you have to understand. First of all, they don't really care about borders. Borders don't matter. They're here to say, we want to go to war with Russia. We are a pro-war party and we are hell bent on ensuring that that takes place. And he's very upset. And he's very upset because the two leading contenders, did you hear what he said? The two leading contenders, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, are wrong on this. This is a shift that's happened amongst conservatives and Republicans 
that I think is incredibly good. We actually are a party largely defined by peace, a party that believes in peace. And our voters have been there for a long time. But the more our top leaders continue to articulate that position, the more these old warlords are threatened. So Will Hurd gets to come on all these shows, go to war. But notice what else he throws in there. If these people weren't going to war with Disney, as if Disney coming out saying, hey, we want to groom children, should just be completely ignored. It's also a strange position to say, you know what? Maybe we could all unify on giving Ukraine another unlimited billions of dollars of money if we just wouldn't go to war with a corporation that is openly grooming our kids sexually. That is a very strange position to take, but Representative Hurd has taken it. Now that also plays into something Mike Pence recently said on a conversation he had with Jordan Peterson. So let's go to this clip and talk about how this kind of plays into the broader conversation happening with Nikki Haley, Will Hurd, Chris Christie, Mike Pence. Let's go to the clip. Uh, to uh, prohibit uh, gender transition, chemical or surgical treatment for children under the age of 18. I, I'd look at, uh, I'm, I, I'm libertarian enough to say, if, if you're an adult, live while you live. Uh, you know, uh, I may not agree with decisions you make, but we'll love you and, and, and uh, uh, love our neighbor as ourselves as my faith requires, right? But love our neighbor as ourselves. Now that is a command given to Christians. And if you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. It is a command that we need to take really seriously. And loving your neighbor as yourself is something that does require you to look beyond just political issues, right? Who is your neighbor? That's a whole discussion, but your neighbor could be somebody that you see on the street. It could be somebody who literally lives next to you. It could be somebody in your area. It could be somebody in your community, somebody in your city. And your neighbor could be a Democrat. They could be a Republican. During uh, Advent, we made these homeless bags and started giving them to different people. And I thought it was so interesting. My five-year-old daughter became really sensitive to homeless people during this time, right? And so she kept looking for them and then say, oh, there's one, everyone stop. We gotta give them a homeless bag. She'd say, why do you think they're homeless? Let's talk about it, let's discuss it, right? There was a homeless man that was in our neighborhood that was sleeping across the way and we saw him and I just start, he's basically slept relatively close to our house, which actually doesn't typically have homeless people, but all of a sudden there was this guy sleeping outside during Advent and, and we're talking about these different issues. So I'm having opportunities. I make the guy a cappuccino and go across and meet him and talk to him. And he has a very storied past and has all sorts of issues that have brought him to where he is today and end up spending several different evenings with this gentleman. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a call that Christians don't do perfectly, but should call each other to do every single day. Here's the weird thing. Mike Pence has decided that part of loving your neighbor as yourself includes you legally protecting their right to chop off their genitalia. That's weird. It's strange. It's unbiblical. And it is part of this problematic perspective that these politicians have where they're just so used to like throwing different Bible verses out that while trying to back up their own random 
ugly, gross libertarian position on legal protections for genital mutilation, uh, they just throw in a verse, right? So he starts out with like, live and let live, which by the way, not in the Proverbs. This actually reminds me of a funny story. My, my dad was serving in the legislature and I will protect the identity of the legislator who came up to him. But this legislator came up to him. He said, Nathan, we're, we're in the middle, they were in the middle of this debate. And he said, you know the Bible pretty well. We need, we need to know where this verse is because we're going to use it from the back mic. He said, okay, well, what's the verse? He said, uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. My dad looked at him and said, yeah, that's not in the Bible. And he's like, what? Are you kidding me? So this guy's like, well, okay. It's like a Chinese proverb, okay? Well, guess what? Mike Pence is sitting there going, hey, you know, live and let live. I mean, as my faith says, love your neighbor as yourself. Let me be clear. Those two things, not the same thing. One of them's in the Bible. One of them's not. They're actually not, they don't, they don't harmonize with each other as a position just to let you know. The way to love your neighbor, if any of your neighbors ever come to you and say, I'm thinking about chopping my genitalia off because I have a mental disorder. Do not say, you know what? Live and let live and I'll make sure that the law gives you the right to do it. That's not a loving thing. That's actually a pretty hateful thing. That's a cowardly thing. My biggest conclusion from the clip was that I never want to live next to Mike Pence, okay? If, if I am buying a house and they're like, hey, Mike Pence is your neighbor. I'm like, that guy loves his neighbors in a weird way. So I would like to find a different neighborhood to live in to have a different neighbor. We need to stop using scripture to randomly support strange and ugly ideas. You're seeing this though. You're seeing not only the scripture use, but the overall push. Nikki Haley, who again is another presidential contender, sitting in there constantly going after Ron DeSantis for the fact that he actually had a willingness to take up the culture war mantle, right? If you're Will Hurd or Chris Christie or Mike Pence or Nikki Haley, all of these people, they have a job to do. And their job is to make sure that the new normal for Republicans is not Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, because those two people are considerably more conservative than almost all of our ruling elite. They're both of them are vastly more conservative than almost the entire makeup of the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. They're more conservative than almost every single Republican governor in the nation. And if you're a conservative, you should be grateful that those are the top two contenders for the presidency. And if you're part of the moderate, mushy middle that has for a long time run the party and is slowly losing your power, you're seeing those two as the same type of threat that Matt Rinaldi is at a state level, the same type of threat that these local CEC committees are at a local level. The Collin County Executive Committee of all the precinct chairs unanimously oppose the impeachment of Ken Paxton, and yet every single one of their elected Republicans lock arms together and say, we're all for the impeachment of Ken Paxton. And they almost try to put this joint statement out, like you can't come for all of us, this is the battle going on. And this is how the liberal Republicans are flexing. They're being aggressive and they're saying it on ABC and CNN and even Jordan Peterson's podcast. They have to move the party back to the middle because if we keep the party moving right, who knows what we're gonna accomplish? This is why we're in the fight. And this is why you're in the fight.
And I'm grateful that you are. I'm grateful that you follow along with everything we're doing. I hope you're seeing all the things that are happening in Texas and encouraged by the momentum that we have. May God bless you. And may God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.